Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. Yep, 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 yep. You already know what time it is, man. It's your girl, POC. Turn your radios up, spread the word, spread the message, man. Each and every Friday, we bring you that environmental justice conversation for a greener, safer Philadelphia. But we celebrate in Black History Month all month long here on WRD. So definitely make sure you stay locked. I'm bringing you a topic today, um, redlining. I feel like redlining is something that we really need to talk about when we talk about environmental justice, environmental racism. I feel like we try to... Uh, polish things up. Like when Pete, when uh, BP was on the line, I talked about this. We try to polish things up a little bit, um, to, to make it seem like it's not environmental racism and then slap the title of environmental justice on it. But in reality, we need to call it what it is, right? So I, I, I looked around the city and I said, we need to get the right people on the line to talk about this topic. And we got Reverend Halston on the line. He's not new to the show. He's been on the show before, but I'm excited because, you know, when it comes down to, uh, redlining, going to the church, is where we need to go. You know, sometimes getting the answers directly from the source is where we need to go. So good morning, Reverend Holston. How are you feeling this morning? I am feeling well. So glad to be with you and excited for you carrying on this great program. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, and before we get started, I want you to definitely go ahead and introduce yourself so that people know exactly who they listen to. Um, so I, I, I have several titles, but I, I'm also for this. I'm the co-facilitator of the 57 Plus Block Initiative. It is a initiative that recognizes that uh, 57 blocks in the city of Philadelphia have had 10 or more shootings from 2020, 2015 to 2021. And, uh, and 53 out of those 57 were in formerly redlined areas. The 1937 map, which redlined areas, it wasn't because those areas were poor or those areas were not worthy of investment. It was simply because those areas were where black and brown people lived at. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that intentional racial in, in disinvestment in communities where banks were told by our federal government, if you uh, do mortgages or invest in these particular areas, we will not stand behind those loans. We will not guarantee those loans. Mm-hmm. But if you invest in the suburbs, what if you invest in white neighborhoods we will guarantee those loans no matter what. Even if the people default, we'll pay you so that you make sure that you get paid. Because they had an intentional racist policy of believing that white people were the better investment and and best for the nation that yeah. the government invested in, in white people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and let me ask you that. Would you call that environmental racism? Is that oh, just oh absolutely. If you're taking an area which is the environment mm-hmm. and you're saying don't invest in that area, uh, then you, and you're doing it for racist reasons, that is by definition environmental racism. And it's, Reb, and that, Reb, that but yeah. to me that that is why you know we have shows like EcoWord because there are some people still to this day that don't believe that your environment can be an injustice to you. Oh, well, let me let me tell you one quick story about my own life. Um, A formerly redlined area in South Philadelphia, which I grew up in South Philadelphia and and I bought or we bought our first home when we got married in in, uh, around 24th and March Street. Um, It was not far from the refinery. Mm -hmm. 
we could look on my porch and see the refinery and see the clouds of smoke that would puff up from the refinery, which they told us was steam. Um, we were on a bus line and the exhaust from the bus uh, would cake our porch. Yeah. Now, I'm not, like most folk, you're not recognizing how the environment is affecting your health. But my youngest daughter had asthma. Yeah. And and from the time she was pretty much a baby all the way up till she was 12 years old, she had asthma. There were times at night that we would see her body gagging for air and every little tiny muscle in her body uh, uh, screaming for help. We had to run her to the hospital. We had all the machines, all the equipment because she had asthma. Mm -hmm. When we were able to move to Jersey, she immediately did not have asthma anymore. The machine was not needed. She never had an attack again. And that's been now almost 20 years. She's never had an attack. Um, so we saw clearly then that the environment she was living in was creating the conditions of asthma. And then I found out that and if you look in black communities, there's some black communities in our city that have 40 percent of the children have asthma. Yeah. And, and so the relationship between the environment, uh, uh, the, the disinvestment in the community, that refinery was there because that's a black community and, and, and was allowed to be there for a long time. We protested and eventually got it shut down. But but it was allowed to be there because it was poisoning a black community. Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, and we don't. And these exhausts that come on these small blocks where you have bus exhaust coming out. We didn't have clean buses because it was the black community that had to suffer. And so all of these things are a part of the environment that we live in and creating the conditions for the people we live in and the challenges of our children and our challenges of our own health. And and this makes me want to ask you a question about, you know, equitability, because when it comes down to um, how we see things in our neighborhood versus like, for instance, like the green spaces, the the education, um, the food deserts that we have within our neighborhoods, you know, when it comes down to having these equitable resources, right? We talk in solutions, you know, what can we do as community members before we even get to the policymakers and the city, the city government, what can we do as community members to make sure that, you know, our voices are being heard when we're advocating for these type of things? Well, I think, I think for me, like, it, like I said, the first, I didn't realize. I just didn't get it. You know, so my child is suffering and I, I, I didn't get it. It was the environment. Mm. I didn't get I just didn't get it. You know, and I didn't really know. And uh, even after we left the area, I didn't make the connection until years later uh, when I joined and was a part of the environmental racist movement. Uh, when I when I became the executive director of power and we had uh, a, a green a green job team. Mm -hmm. We started talking about environment. When you start working with Philly Thrive, and they literally did a study of my neighborhood in South Philadelphia, going door to door to talk to individuals about the various health issues, the various cancers that they had. And I'm sitting in a protest, and they're listing all these people that have all these cancers, and they're talking about the block that I basically had my child on. Mm -hmm. And I didn't I didn't make the connection. So I think the first thing is 
we need to make the education connection about the power of what environmental racism is doing to us right now. For another example, uh, we still have many homes that were built in the 1920s and the paint in those homes still contained lead. Same in our schools. Yes, yes. And everybody knows that sometimes the children, the paint peels, it gets in their mouth, all of a sudden you swallow it. And we don't understand that that causes behavior, there's permanent brain damage from the leg, and it directly affects the ability and the behavior and the ability to control your emotions. So when we see young people on the street exploding for apparently no reason at all, we don't make an environmental connection with that, that explosion. We want to blame those children, those young adults, for their not containing their own emotions, not understanding the toxic conditions in their community are contributing to their ability to control their emotions. There are studies now that are studying those who are in prison now and seeing these high uh, levels of lead in their blood, recognizing now that maybe the connection, the reason they're in jail is because of our failure to provide a safe environment for our community. That was a good that was a good point. And Rev, this makes me want to ask you this next question before we go to a commercial break. Um, I want to ask you specifically when it comes down to um, the legacy of Philadelphia. Right. You think about um, black people who have been in Philadelphia for a very long time. We talk about grandma house, uh, grandfather's house, our auntie house. We don't want them to be pushed out as gentrification is coming into the city um, and and pretty much taking over, building everything block by block. Right. So when we think about gentrification coming in. We think about redlining and us not having at the time um, grocery stores, not having schools, not having um, access to 76 right off the road. You know what I mean? Just the little things for us to get around the city, right? And now they're building these things in our neighborhoods or what was once our neighborhoods, but we no longer are a part of those neighborhoods, right? Mm-hmm. Would you call that environmental racism? Oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That is, a uh, again, we, the place you live is the environment. So whatever affects the environment uh, it, 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 uh, is involving the environment. But and, I'm saying they, they have now pushed us out. You know, we don't own yes. grandma's house no more. We don't own yes. auntie's house no more. If you're pushed out of your environment and you're pushed to into a new environment and that new environment is... is is also not healthy for you. All of that is environmental racism. If they clean up the environment that you lived in for 40, 50 years and produce a brand new community that they could have done while you were there, that's called environmental racism. They're doing it now for white people to come in so why are we call it gentrification? That's and that's my point. You know, it gets yes. me upset sometimes, Red, because we slap a pretty picture on it and call it gentrification, but in reality, it's still environmental racism. Yes, and but even the word gentrification, I, I was talk to people about that. Cation means uh, is <laughs> I like that of, making of. So it's the making of for the gentry. Yeah, for the gentry in America, hmm. it's the white elite. Hmm. That's the gentry in America. And so the word itself is uh, is thrusted with environmental racism by the very nature of what we call it is environmental racism. We are pushing the poor and the black out to prepare the neighborhood for the white and the rich. That is the definition of what gentrification is. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, well, we got to go to a quick commercial break, Rev. Stay with me on this commercial break. Right after this commercial break, I want to finish this uh, piece of the conversation because I really think that uh, when it comes down to uh, financial, financial literacy and then the economic portion of it, that's why gentrification is working so well. It's just like another strategic way to keep us segregated based on our economic stance, for sure, for sure. But we've got to go to this quick commercial break. Right after this quick commercial break, we got more with Reverend Halston. Stay locked. WRD Equal Word. We'll be right back. Yep, yep, to the yep, yep. You already know what time it is, man. It's your girl, PMC. We back live right now on 900 AM WRD. 96.1 Word Radio is 40 minutes past the top of the hour. It's 46 degrees outside. It's going to be, you know, a partly cloudy day. So I definitely say bundled up. It's going to be, it's going to be a little bit cold, um, but it's not going to be as cold as it was last weekend. So we definitely still got a good weekend of weather this week. So definitely stay locked. Be with your family. Snuggle up. It's Valentine's Day. And speaking of Valentine's Day, Word family, we did it. We sold out. Our Love and Life Connection event is sold out. Thanks to those who registered. Make sure you listen to the live broadcast on Tuesday, February 13th from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. hosted by Carol Riddick and Dr. Marguerite Williams. You can listen on air at Word Radio at 900 a.m. or 96.1 FM online at WRDRadio.com on our website, and also the Word Radio app. This event is brought to you by City Winery and the Pennsylvania Lottery in partnership with Value Lounge and Bar. But again, right now, you're tapped into your girl POC on EcoWord. We got about 20 minutes left, second half of the show, and we got uh, Reverend Halston on the line with us right now. We're talking about redlining. The topic of today is redlining, and you already know we want you to be a part of this conversation, so give us a call, 215-634-8065, toll-free, 1-866-361-0900. Um, Reverend, you know, when it, when it comes to redlining, we were talking about gentrification, right? And I was making a point, uh, an opinion. I was saying that when it comes down to redlining, I truly believe, I mean, when it comes down to gentrification, I truly believe that it's an economic stance, right? It's another way, a strategic way to make sure that we are segregated based on how our pockets are lining up. You know, it's just another way to say, you broke, so you need to be over here. You got a little money, so you need to be over here. And it just, again, separates us by zip codes and it keeps people in bubbles because it's like, why am I going to go to um, the 52nd corridor who has a, a fresh, I mean, who has a fresh grocer when I can go down to university city and go to whole foods like let's make it make sense yeah the 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 difficulty with with uh, uh, redlining is again it's the intentional racist disinvestment in communities is that it has all of these uh, ripple effects Hmm. ripple effects on commercial corridors ripple effects on segregation it locks you into communities uh, uh, because financially you can't move forward to move to other communities um, it is, I think, um, Brian Stevenson said it well when he said that slavery has not ended. It has merely evolved, mm-hmm. evolved into other things, such as the effect of redlining and gentrification today, because there's still the same element of trying to find ways to exploit and to make profit off of black misery, uh, which this country has been always unfortunately, very, very proficient at doing. And so your description of what you just talked about is that. And when you think about the city like Philadelphia, right, and especially now that we have um, new leadership, right, we just got 
the first black woman mayor, Madam mm-hmm. Mayor, um, and we got a new city council president, right? So when you think about the new leadership that's going into Philadelphia right now, do you think that that would help to combat some of this um, growing, what they call equitable uh, housing that's going up in the city of Philadelphia? So people, you know, that look like me and you that been in Philadelphia for more than 20 years, three decades long, they can still have, you know, these blocks that they've been on for their entire lives. They can continue to raise families on these blocks. Or do you think with new leadership going to come with new problems as far as equitable housing? I, I, she made as a part of her campaign pledge, I believe it was 30,000 units of affordable housing. Um, she made a, a, a commitment to build one Philadelphia Recognizing that right now we have a, a we're a tale of two cities. Uh, we are the fourth uh, highest segregated city in the country. Talk about it. We are a city that is is uh, basically uh, poor and black and brown and white and middle class and rich. And we accept these distinctions each and every day as a part of our lives. So breaking down these things that had really existed throughout the time of the city, but was enhanced in the 1930s because of the red line that we've talked about, uh, it's going to be really, really difficult and going to be really challenging. It's going to have to challenge the the authorities that be, the businesses that be, the wealthy and elite as as they are. Uh, She says she wants to do that. She wants to take on that challenge and to hold her accountable. So I'm looking forward to seeing her do that and want to support her in that effort. Mm-hmm. And then when we talk about redlining, right, the established communities that we're in, and we talk about something um, that you are a part of that you mentioned earlier in today's conversation about the 57 blocks, right? Mm-hmm. So when you think about these 57 blocks and you name certain zip codes within these 57 blocks, how do we make sure that the people that are living on these blocks understand, you know, the effects of something that took place in the 1930s is now having that ripple down effect onto you right now and in the 21st century. We have done already over 75 presentations of a variety of communities across the city of Philadelphia, churches, mosques, uh, uh, community centers, rec centers, uh, schools, um, black, white, brown, uh, are around this subject. And I, it's beautiful to see regular folk, particularly regular black folk, when you explain this, it's like an aha moment. Like, oh, oh, that's why. Because I know how I felt growing up. You would see our neighborhoods, our, our, our communities, the houses were deteriorating. The graffiti was everywhere, glass on the street. Liquor All of store these, every corner. Liquor store every corner. And I'm like, why, why is our community, what are we doing wrong that our communities are this way? It was like a revelation when I found out it, it wasn't what we were doing wrong. It was what was being done to us. Mm-hmm. And I saw that constantly as we began to share the story of what was done to us. The reason your father could not get a loan to start their business. The reason your father could not get a, a mortgage. My grandfather came up here in 1947, did not own his own home for 20 years because he couldn't get a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, uh, and, and suffered because of that. My aunt, who started a business, a restaurant, could not get a loan to finance her business. So her business failed and her life was trans- changed because of that. These kinds of things that happen have happened to all of us. And we often blame ourselves, not recognizing, understanding. It was the system that was put in place that was 
intentionally designed to deny us these opportunities. Mm-hmm. And and Rev, you know, when it comes down to having these conversations and getting that aha moment, are they willing to go do something about it or are they just stuck in the aha? Um, I, I think many are. The question is what? Mm. You know, and uh, and I, I, I that's partly how this coalition got started. Seventy five plus organizations across the city of Philadelphia, like I said, churches, mosques, rec centers have all belonged to it. And they're they're wanting the question how. And so we started with one hundred million dollars for gun violence directed to the hardest hit neighborhoods as a way, as a beginning place to start. Mm-hmm to say more resources, more investment in your community, on your block, to make a difference in your neighborhood, will save lives and hopefully build our neighborhoods more. We recognize billions of dollars are needed to to change and transform what redlining has done. But if we can start there and make some dents, we can give some hope and life to our own communities. Mm-hmm. And Rev, I got two more questions for you before I let you go. And my first question I'm going to ask is a very tedious question, but I really want to know your opinion about it. Right. So in the city of Philadelphia, if, if you if you make your way around the city, you see that when we talk about green spaces, I'm not sure if people are getting the, the, the message wrong or not really understanding us. But when we say green spaces, I'm starting to see more dog parks and beer gardens pop up more than ever. And I'm like, are they missing the memo of what we're saying when we say green spaces? So I just wanted to ask you that question. You know, as you see more dog parks and beer gardens pop up around the city, what's your thoughts on that? I, I haven't really thought of it quite the way you just described it. <laughs> it's making me laugh because we both know why that is happening. You know, as, as a good friend of mine said, they love them dogs, don't they? <laughs> that part. And my last question, Rev, I appreciate you. And my last question, you know, and I asked this question to my last guest, VP, right? Because we're in Black History Month and I'm not quoting Martin Luther King in the way in which he spilled uh, his speech out on April 3rd, but I just want to take some parts of his speech and when he pretty much mentioned that, you know, I might have uh, sent us into a burning building way too fast by trying to integrate us, you know, and not not necessarily having our T's crossed and our I's dotted uh, when it comes to to making sure that we we ended segregation, right? So you just talked about how we are the fourth largest city in America that is still segregated right now. But when you think about it in 2024, with all these systemic issues that we're still dealing with, do we want integration or do we want to make sure that our I's are are dotted and our T's are crossed before we go back into that diversity conversation? Because right now diversity is like, everywhere. It's like a, it's like a sticker you just put on a bumper. You know what I mean? So when you think about that integration, you think about the diversity, do we need that with all the systemic issues that we're still dealing with? Uh-huh. Especially after watching the Ava DuVernay movie about cast, you know, I think that brought a lot of different conversations to our, our communities as far as black and brown. Cause uh-huh. it's not racism anymore. It's casting now. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen the movie yet. I do have, okay. the movie, but, uh, uh, and I have some issues with that, but, uh, I will simply say this. Um, uh, what we will, should want is uh, multicultural communities. Okay. Where people's culture is respected and, and appreciated and enjoyed. That our strength is the different cultures. So we want to preserve them. We don't want them to be uh, washed away. And mm-hmm. integration for some people was assimilation. We don't know. They wrong understanding. 
We want freedom, justice, and equality. We want the, the, the investment and the wealth that are in other communities that have that our federal government has been responsible for helping for them provide and specifically was denying us. That's what we want. And, and to build the kind of communities where we all live. Black folk have always had people of different races living in their communities and being welcomed into their communities. Uh, we've always done that. And, and it, it is the intentional disinvestment and the intentional segregation that, it, that we want stopped. Mm-hmm. And so let's let us do, be focused on the main thing. Let's make the main thing, as Jalen Hurts would say, <laughs> let's make the main thing the main thing. The main, the main thing is freedom, justice, and equality for black and brown people in this city. I appreciate you, Rev. Reverend Holston, thank you so much for coming through on this Friday morning, blessing us on our timelines, man. Please tell the people how they can find you, stay locked, all that good stuff. And if they want to get a part, be a part of the 57 Blog Initiative, how can they do so? Yes, you can uh, check us up at 57 uh, Block, uh, 57 Block Philly, or 57 Philly Block. <laughs> no, 57 Block Philly dot <laughs> org. And, uh, and, uh, and that's all together, 57 Blocks Philly dot org. And you can uh, learn about this movement that's really growing across the city. I appreciate that movement. Um, I honestly just learned about it. So I definitely want to make sure we bring you back so we can have a part two about that conversation. Um, I really would love. And once you read the book, I would like to get into the conversation about cast as well. Because <laughs> like you said, it is there's some things I feel like we can break down to help our people to better understand. Because in a movie, it can come off very fast and people are like, oh, now I get it. But it's a lot more background. So I definitely agree with that. But I would love to bring you back on to break some things down for our folks. So I appreciate sure. you. Reverend for coming through. Love the opportunity. Thank you so much again. No doubt. Have a great weekend. You too. No doubt. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com. 